This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. As God's own people, Jesus calls us to love God and go out of our way to love others extravagantly and unconditionally, even the unlovely. If you're wondering what this kind of love looks like and how people get started, stay with us as Jesus shares a parable about loving even our enemies. Our message today is Encounters, a lesson on love. What would you say is one of the most important defining marks of a disciple of Jesus Christ? I hope you'll stay with us and find out from Jesus himself the answer to that question. We begin our worship time in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Merciful God and Father, we gather this day to praise you for your steadfast love. While we were still sinners, rebels in your sight. You loved us and gave your only begotten Son to rescue us from perishing. What amazing love you've showered on us. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you'll live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you have to spend. Which of these three, Jesus said, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. 
Dear friends, a new parent, when asked by a friend what it was like having that first baby living in the house now, replied, well, there's never a dull moment. How true that is. If you were to ask one of the disciples what life with Jesus was like, they probably would have said something like that. There's never a dull moment. I mean, think of what they regularly experienced after they began to follow him. Amazing miracles, battles with demons, Jesus' confrontations with the opposition, dinner parties with shady people that their parents told them to avoid, challenging assignments in a foreign, unfriendly territory, and fascinating conversations with all kinds of interesting people along the way. Such was the case, as we read of Christ's final expedition to Jerusalem in Luke's Gospel. Jesus had many memorable encounters and conversations with various kinds of people that came to him. And of course, his disciples had the privilege of listening in and observing these encounters. Obviously, they were impacted by the conversations because later on, they remembered these encounters and they would share them with other people. Eventually, Luke wrote them down for our benefit. These encounters served them well as part of their training to be Christ's disciples. Jesus had called them with the promise to make them fishers of people. And they had a lot to learn. They needed to learn about the ways of the kingdom of God and how to attract people to repent and receive that kingdom so that they might experience the new abundant life that Jesus came to give them. Last week, we observed his encounter with three admirers who said they wanted to follow Jesus. And the disciples learned from that conversation about the high commitment that is involved with following Jesus. Today, we see him having an encounter with a lawyer, not a, an attorney as we know them today. This man was more of a biblical scholar, an expert on the Torah, the law of Moses. He came to Jesus with a question, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we might wonder, is he sincere in asking that question? Does he really want to know? Luke would say, not really. Luke says he was putting Jesus to the test. He's thinking to himself, let's see how bright this Galilean rabbi really is. I bet I could teach him a thing or two. Let the game begin. In all likelihood, he was affiliated with the Pharisees that was were wanting to discredit Jesus because they'd had some run-ins with him already. So maybe the man's intentions were to make a public spectacle of Jesus and by getting him to say something heretical that would hurt his reputation. And it's a bit of a stupid question, he asked Jesus, when you think about it. The nature of an inheritance is that you do nothing for it. You don't earn an inheritance. Someone gives it to you, right? They die and they leave it to you for you to simply claim. But Jesus patiently and kindly responds to this individual with his own question. What's written in the law? What do you read there? 
Notice Jesus doesn't abolish the laws of God. He has actually come to fulfill them. The expert responds with the statement that every pious Jew recited daily. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he added a statement from the 19th chapter of the Old Testament book of Leviticus. And love your neighbor as yourself. The man's response is sometimes referred to in Christian circles as the great commandment. And Jesus affirms him for it. Good answer. Do this and you'll live. Now, end of debate, right? Nope. Not at all. The law expert doesn't want this debate to be over. He's kind of losing. He wants to justify himself in front of this crowd to look good. So he asks, and who is my neighbor, Jesus? And Jesus tells him a story. A story which has become very familiar over time, even to those who profess not to believe in Jesus. It's been entitled The Good Samaritan Story. Traveler going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was robbed and beaten and stripped of his clothing. The robbers left him half dead by the side of the road. Now by chance, Jesus said, a priest, and then a little later on, a Levite, an assistant priest, came walking down the road, saw the beaten man lying there half dead, but each of them crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. These were very religious people of God. They knew the same answers that the expert quoted, but they did nothing. Quite disappointing. Jesus doesn't tell us why they did nothing. Perhaps it was fear of being mugged themselves, or there was a lack of time in their tight schedules, or they were concerned about remaining ceremonially clean, not taking the chance of touching a dead man, which would make them unclean. Jesus just went on with the story. But... A Samaritan came near and saw him. The listeners were at the edge of their seats. Ah, one of those half-breed, low-life Samaritans. I bet he'll crush in his skull, finish him off. This isn't good. You see, Jews and Samaritans had a long history of hatred towards each other. No time for one another. Jesus went on with the story, and when he saw the man, he was moved with pity. He went to the beaten man and did everything he could to help him. He bandaged his wounds after applying oil and wine on them for healing. He put the man on his donkey and walked him to an inn. He took care of him there. He paid for the man's stay from his own pocket, covering two months of lodging for him, and told the innkeeper to put any overrun costs on his tab. Such extravagant love on the part of that Samaritan. Over-the-top mercy and compassion. And then Jesus turned to the law expert who had started this whole discussion and asked him, which of these three was the neighbor to the beaten up man? Biblical scholars, by the way, point out that there's a bit of a surprise stinger in this parable. Jesus has portrayed a hated Samaritan as the hero of the story. He carries out God's great commandment better than the other two Jewish religious professionals. The thought was so horrifying and distasteful to the law expert that he couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. Instead, with a scowl on his face, he spit out the words, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus gets in the last word, go and do likewise. 
instead of asking who is my neighbor, go be a neighbor. The right question is not who is my neighbor, but how can I be a neighbor? And yes, be a neighbor even to people like Samaritans, for they are your neighbors too. There is an important truth being taught here. Your neighbor is someone whose need you see and whose need God has put you in a position to meet. No matter who they are, Jesus takes away the boundaries, the limits that the expert of the law, one of God's own people, and people like us also tend to put up for ourselves. We'll love people who are like us and and they like us. But Jesus says, be a neighbor to those who aren't like you and don't like you as well. Therefore, according to this parable, your neighbor could be someone who you don't know, an absolute stranger. The Samaritan did not know the guy in the ditch. He only saw the need and he responded with help. And your neighbor could be someone who is unfriendly towards you, even an enemy, like the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. Someone you don't like, who rubs you the wrong way, who has done you wrong in the past. Or your neighbor could very well be someone who is an unlovely person. After all, there's nothing attractive about a half-dead man lying in a pool of blood by the side of the road. He was unlovely to look at. And your neighbor could be someone whose lifestyle you find unlovely, whose life situation makes you sick and uncomfortable, or someone who even worships another god than you do, and you see them as unlovely. Finally, your neighbor might be someone who can't reciprocate your love. Did you notice that there's no paying back in this parable? No IOU being written out. In fact, there's not even a thank you found in this story. There's just unconditional love and mercy on the part of the Samaritan. Likewise, the person you help may not say thanks or make you feel good about your kindnesses. And Jesus is saying, so what? Be a neighbor. It's a difficult teaching, if you ask me. And yet Jesus is very clear here. As God's own people who have received his mercy and love through Christ, we are to love God and go out of our way to be a loving neighbor to people like that. To love them extravagantly and unconditionally. Perhaps you're wondering, what does this kind of love look like? And where does a person get started? Second part of that question, we'll start with that. First, you make yourself available. That's how you get started. Bob Goff, a Christian author of the popular book Love Does, tells of the importance of being available in an interview he did. He said, we answer people's questions about love every time we make ourselves more available. I'm trying to learn to be radically available. Every time my phone rings, it's a reminder to me. Be like Jesus. Be available. There is something beautiful about stopping and really seeing people, seeing their hurt, seeing their joy, seeing the whatever. 
after you make yourself available, then be an intentional observer of people. Start looking at the people around you, noticing them, paying attention to them, be interested, be a student of them, observe and listen, ask them questions, and work at remembering the things that they say to you. Come to understand them so that you can help. Finally, get involved and lend a hand to those stuck in the ditch of life. Like in the parable, use the resources that God has given you to help the hurting neighbor. Resources like your time, your possessions, your skills, and your connections to help. Whether it's a societal hurt or injustice that needs healing and it's caught your attention on the news and is breaking your heart and you've gotten passionate about it, or an individual's need in your sphere of influence at, at the retirement home or in your neighborhood or at work or on the pickleball court or the golf course, in the name of Jesus, do something. That's what he's telling us. Get involved. Love your neighbor. Let me share with you a story that I read recently that inspires me. A man who had no interest in spiritual matters related casually to the Christian who lived next door to him. They talked over the back fence and borrowed lawnmowers and stuff like that. And then the non-Christian's wife was stricken with cancer and she died three months later. Here's part of a letter that he wrote afterward. I was in total despair. I went through the funeral preparations and the service like I was in a trance. After the service, I went to the path along the river and walked all night, but I didn't walk alone. My neighbor, afraid for me, I guess, stayed with me all night. He didn't speak. He didn't even walk beside me. He just followed me. When the sun finally came up over the river, he came over and said to me, let's go get some breakfast. I go to church now. My neighbor's church, a religion that can produce the kind of caring and love my neighbor showed me is something I want to find out more about. I want to love and be loved like that for the rest of my life. Now, I know all of this sounds like a tall order that Jesus has given us. Because we know ourselves pretty well, don't we? Our built-in prejudices, our selfishness, our inattentiveness. And so we naturally say, this sounds impossible. How can I possibly do this? And the answer is, you can't. Not on your own. But I have an encouraging word for you today. With Jesus Christ in your life, you can grow in loving your neighbor. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are filled, supernaturally powered by the Holy Spirit, who is God at work in you, developing what the Apostle Paul refers to in the book of Galatians as the fruit of the Spirit, which basically is the ability to love people like Jesus, to have a heart of kindness that breaks for others in their brokenness and moves towards them to help. So you're not on your own. One final thought before I end today. To those listening today who are disciples of Jesus, when you think about it, you're never walking in the footsteps of Jesus as much as when you're operating like the Samaritan in that parable, being a loving neighbor. Remember, 
we were in the ditch, helplessly dying in our sinfulness, in need of rescue, someone to bring you and me home to our Heavenly Father. We needed that. And Jesus saw you in your need. He rescued you and healed your wounds with his own wounds at the cross as he suffered and died for sinners like you and me. He loved extravagantly, without limits. Scripture says while we were still his enemies, he came and died for our salvation. When I trust Jesus as my Savior and Lord and enter into his kingdom, I am showered with his mercy and grace and forgiveness. And his agenda then becomes my agenda to extravagantly love the wounded and needy of this world who he brings to my attention daily. And I do this out of love for him who gave his all for me. Go be a neighbor. Amen. Would you pray with me? Thank you, O oh God, for first loving us. Through the working of your Holy Spirit, help us to be great commandment people who love you above all things and our neighbors as ourselves. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way. May he go behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to be a loving neighbor as you walk in the footsteps of Jesus, just like the Samaritan in our parable did. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry dependent upon gifts from our listening audience. Estate gifts have become a significant part of this ministry and enable us to enlarge our broadcast area. For information on how to include Christian Crusaders in your will, contact our office at 1-888-693-2484. You may also write Christian Crusaders at 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We thank all who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. If you'd like to hear today's message again, be sure to check us out on the internet. You will also find messages from previous Sundays and many other useful spiritual tools. Visit our colorful new website anytime at christiancrusaders.org and on Facebook and Twitter. Christian Crusaders currently broadcast on 26 radio stations across the United States and on the World Wide Web. Please consider, if you are in a position to do so, sending a gift to help cover production and broadcast cost of these venues. In this way, you become a partner in providing a Sunday worship service to those who need to hear the gospel message. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting the service today was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders is now in its 83rd year of broadcasting biblical truth. 